dude. Okay, I'm here. Okay, good. And there's. There and you can hear me. Yes, I can hear you, and there isn't much of a delay this time. Oh no, I can hear myself. Well, well, it's okay. We're we're gonna deal with that. <laughs> so you can you can hear yourself delayed in the a headset. A little tiny bit, yeah. Yeah, so that might make you crazy. Um, do you have a headset? <laughs> no, have... I'm just I'm just using the uh, microphone on the on the laptop. Oh, that it helps. David was telling me that what happens is that. Um, when I record, then I I end up, it, oh, end up I it ends up feeding itself on the recording. Yes, you get feedback. So you would prefer if I picked up a headset. Okay, yeah. well I can look I can look into that. Yeah, sometime. You know, no, no big deal. It's hardly it's hardly a deal. I get it, but no, I I wouldn't mind doing that because I I um I think uh, I I I would like to actually do a um a, a music podcast at some point with someone, but I don't know. I'd have to get my my act together to do that, but I would like to do it. You should. Yeah, I, I think I would like it. I I, I I did a little bit of volunteering at the radio station here at Western, and uh, I like that, but it's the, the whole, like, they've got a lot of rules about, well, for Canadian content rules, and then on top of that, they've got local, their own, like, imposed local rules and stuff. It's, it's fairly restrictive, so I would like to not have those restrictions. I bet. Yeah. But anyway... That's not what we're here to talk about, it's is pretty it? Pretty crazy. It, no, no, we can talk about anything we want. Damn it! That's, that's what the nice <laughs> thing about this is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Just a couple of crazy people rambling. So somebody might even listen to it. <laughs> no, I know people listen. Yeah, I, I think it's good. I think it's a great thing. We don't know exactly who and when, but it's rare that you'll get comments. Um, we got one person, one listener that has commented consistently since 10 years, for 10 years, Dave and I. Uh, her name is Rachel, and she's in New York. And nice. she's just been like that from the start, from the beginning. But most listeners don't even comment, so you only know who's listening by looking at the st statistics for your um, podcast. Right, so you know that you've had, like, it's been downloaded like 10 times or 100 times or a thousand times, probably not very often, a thousand times. <laughs> a million times. That's right. There are I... some podcasts out there that do that though, right? Like that there's this one that Ashley listens to called Serial. Have you heard of that? I've heard about it. Tell me about it. Well, I didn't listen to it, so I don't, I'm not the best person, but she, it seems to be the last one was a court case about somebody that was accused of being a serial killer, and it was kind of an investigative journalistic thing, but done in a sort of a story, like a fictional fictionalization of it format, if I understood it right. I didn't listen to it, like I said, but it was very popular, and I, I guess it's just, uh, there's a, a second season of it coming out. So I find just generally podcasting is interesting because that is one avenue you can go. It's almost like a television show or a radio broadcast of the old days, like, a dramatization sort of thing, and then at the same time you can just have conversations like the ones that you tend to be more involved in, right? Mm-hmm. So that serial show, it's it's a little bit like taking the Orson Welles idea? I think it might be. I should talk to Ashley about that, and maybe I should listen to it. Um, but she listened last year, and she was really, really into it. Like, she was every time I, she had any spare time, she was listening to it. <laughs> Like waiting for the next one to come out, so she's pretty excited that there's a new se a new season of it with some other story. I guess it's probably the same people putting it together, but they've I guess come up with some other uh, 
thing that they're going to talk about. Hmm. Anyway, I guess yeah. we could probably start recording anytime. Or oh, we've been recording. We've since been recording. The beginning. <laughs> yes. Oh. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to another episode. Yes, welcome. Uh, we have been away from the podcast for quite some time. Yes, it's it so seems... good to have you back. It seems that there's always something going on, and uh, we do what we can, right? Of course, of course. And it keeps it nice when you don't, um, you know, when it happens naturally and organically, mm. I guess is the word. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> How often do you and Dave do your uh We podcast? do it do you... weekly. Oh, you you do it regularly weekly, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. I guess you know where I guess you know where he lives, right? <laughs> well, he's really good at uh, doing all this stuff. I'm just learning with with this podcast. I'm learning to put it together, and it's I'm not too technical, so yeah. it's, it's taking me some time. But I'm yeah, and that's there. that's part of what holds me back from actually starting to try to get someone to do a music one with me. But I should probably in the new year or something. I should probably just take the bull by the horns because it's not impossible obviously right it's just there's a few things you got to get down and you got to buy i guess you got to buy some space somewhere to host it right yeah um square space is not expensive it's i don't know if it's something like ten dollars a year or a month i'm not sure if it's a month it might yeah be a i month. think dave was saying so i think he said it was about five dollars a month okay so that's pretty inexpensive right yeah and you probably don't have to buy it a year at a time, so you can kind of see how it goes, and mm-hmm. you know. Now, do you um, do, do you advertise then with the stuff that you do? Like, do you try to do outreach like beyond our Facebook page? Well, not just for this one. I'm thinking more for because you you do a couple. Oh, of- you could, you could. Even on Facebook, they keep asking us to yeah, uh, to that. push the page, <laughs> push the page. Yeah, they want the they want money from us, right? But I don't know. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna do that. Well, it's, I guess you got to kind of ask yourself why you're doing it, right? And I don't think it's mm. to reach. As, I mean, it's nice when you have people to listen, that's for sure. But I don't know that your point is to try to maximize your listeners. You're not really make, trying to make money off it. It's just a fun thing to do and a good conversation. And if you can enlighten somebody or make somebody think or or get some feedback from somebody else, which is also nice, that's good too, right? You'll hear some people that will. Uh, talk about monetizing, and it can be done. Uh, there are many yeah. ways to do that. I expect cereal is monetized. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a big production thing, and they actually ask their listeners for money at the end of each one in order to keep it going. Right? It's almost like one of these crowdsourcing sort of things. That's right. There's that kind of thing going on, and um, there's also you can take Google ads. So every time people click on your link. Uh, they see uh, an ad on your page, and that gives you, you know, point oh ten cents or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think in ten years that we've been doing it, uh, we might have gotten. Well, Dave was saying uh, that at one point we might have had seventy dollars. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, we I've. Don't remember seeing any money from Google at all. Yeah, know? right. So um, I think we 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 didn't do it seriously. We just kind of forgot about it and didn't pay attention to it because 
we were wondering about it at the at the very beginning, but then we we realized that there was just no point in doing that, and it wasn't what we were about. And I think when you start thinking that way, things start changing in in what you do. So you try to become more professional, like super professional with all kinds of interview style and then it it can really take a long time to out of your regular day you know so and at the end of the day you're still making seventy dollars in ten years exactly <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so well, that's, um, yeah, that's good. what have you been up to have you seen anything interesting well i was trying to think about that when we had our little exchange of messages to what we were going to talk about, and I, I haven't done as much as you have. I uh, I was at a there's a kind of neat little private gallery here in London called Strand, and that's just sort of a little off the beaten path in an industrial kind of area with industrial buildings, and it's the last thing you'd expect. And these two guys have a have a gallery. They moved from they they lived in Toronto together, and they ran a gallery there. And I think they decided to come to London because it's a lot less expensive. And and they opened this gallery a bunch of years back, and they had their um, they do an annual Christmas show that has a whole bunch of different artists in it, including some stuff of their own. And there was some nice stuff in there. There was one guy who made, um, I don't remember his name, unfortunately, Whitney, maybe George Whitney. Um, but he made, um, he made, there, there were sculptures of glass. And so one thing that he had that I really liked was a, it was a cube of glass that inside of the cube of glass was a skull. <laughs> <laughs> like a like a glass skull, not like a real skull. So it was actually like it was all glass, and you could see through it. And it was like I thought it was really cool looking. And then he had another just a skull without the cube around it. And they had like these panels that had some smashes on them and stuff that looked like they, they were like I don't know. They're about maybe I'd say eight inches wide by about maybe four inches tall and about two inches thick, though really thick glass and they sat on a, on a like a shelf or whatever and I, th I thought they were really cool looking i like glass a lot oh yes and so that was that was kind of stuck out with me and then the guy one of the guys named is bill who runs the, the space and he has these tree branches that he paints in like cobalt blue and stuff and puts on these like kind of cubist looking um modern shelf things and they come out of the wall and they have I, it's hard to describe these things <laughs> <laughs> kind of have to see them but but that was cool and then the other thing he had that was interesting while i'm on a roll on this the, the most recent art thing i did which was friday night um he, he had a bunch of doilies that he is i guess you know cleaning out his mom's house after she had passed away he found like tons of doilies and he took them and he dyed them all like bright colors and then framed them Aww. yeah it was really cool they looked really they looked really neat and then the other thing there was Susan Day had plates there that were nice. She's a local artist who I really, she does clay work and she's really good. And that's a good segue because I heard you were working with clay recently. Yes, yes, that's right. I, I'm starting to learn to throw on, on the wheel. So. Yeah, it sounded like you were just about to give up and then yeah. <laughs> it magically worked out for you. Well, I was trying to uh, uh, grasp the the ideas um, of the clay, um, uh, it's when you're just kind of figuring things out, uh, you're, you tend to be careful with the, the equipment, you know, the right. equipment is, 
using equipment is always a little bit intimidating. So it changes the way that I move, the way that I act, the way that I think, the way that I react to things. So um, I, it was like my third ball that I was trying to keep down on the on the wheel and it kept spinning underneath it right and kind of like separating it so I kept thinking what the hell am I doing wrong so my teacher came and she sat down and she said well first of all it's going the wrong way <laughs> I, I thought I had put it in counterclockwise but I misread the dial the way it was working so uh, and it's it's very simple it's a dial with two positions or three positions you know backwards a stop and forward and somehow I had a mistake in this so um, she showed me you know like really push on the clay and allow it to to go down, then raise it up again, then bring it down. And that's what I did for a while. And then it started to center on the wheel. And um, then then I started um, opening it and pinching it. And um, it, it finally got to a place, you know, like it was, it was starting to make sense. And um, then the time after, I went one more time after that and I managed to make four little kind of vases. I'm going to call them vases. Yeah. <laughs> Weren't sure what they were going to be when you started? or? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was just happy to have something that looked like something. So there's so much to learn, you know, like it's um, something that you build on and for some reason, like I could be doing pinching and slab work, uh, I could be doing anything without the wheel, but I feel that uh, it would be nice if I worked at it. I, I like things where you apply yourself and you slowly build, um, you know, some kind of skill. So I, I'm, I don't mean ever that I'm going to be perfect or professional about it because that's just not me but if I want to get to a point where I will throw a ball I, I want to, to be able to do it it's not going to be a perfect ball like one side's going to be thicker than the other you can bet on it but it'll still be a ball that I, that I turned right right yeah. yeah well I've always been kind of fascinated by the pottery wheel as well. Not, I don't think I would ever try it, but it's always kind of... Pottery in general, I find kind of fascinating. Like the idea that you put it in a kiln and all this other... It's just such a process, right? Yes. Yes, it's, it's so broad and you can do so much with it. So, And it's clay. It's So it's, it's material that is found in the earth. So you're not... And there's like a glaze that you put on it, uh, but the glazes are yeah. The glazes always freak me out because you don't really see it until it comes. I don't know how people do that. Yeah. Um, and I guess the process of burning the the uh, firing them is the most energy 
um, wasteful part of pottery, but everything else is pretty natural and it's local and organic. Know, like, I find that yeah, I find that it's organic and and it's pretty close to. Uh, it's it feels like an old thing, you know, like Egyptians did that and Greek people did that and you know, probably like even before then people did pottery, you know. It's pretty fascinating when you think about some of these things that people have figured out how to do and this the process is so involved and you think like how did you ever figure that out, you know? Mm-hmm. Like pottery's maybe not quite that much of a mystery, but you think about like making beer or making um, chocolate or something like that, and it's just such this weird process where they got to go through to. I don't know. The human endeavor is is really something else. Yes. So. And I guess art has a lot to do with that too, doesn't it? Because a lot of things are sort of explored, I think, through art. Hmm. Yeah. Um. I also went to see Turner in Toronto. Oh right, that right. Was like three weeks ago. Um, I hadn't been in Toronto in 20 years. Well, I had been, I had stopped once maybe uh, 15 years ago, but I hadn't been really, you know, like visiting for for 20, more than 20 years. So it was interesting to to be back in there and I felt like... uh, uh, some kind of uh, woods woman, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like really not refined and <laughs> kind of dressed. I'm coming from the Sioux. <laughs> yeah. Coming north from from the north. <laughs> I felt like that, and we went to the AGO to see Turner, the Turner show, and um. So you haven't been. That's your first time being in the new AGO, I bet then. Yeah. Isn't it a beautiful work of art itself? Well, that that I, I love that building. I love going in there. It's incredible. Yes. That it's, stairways, it's like, like the way they look like ribbons. Yeah. Everything that that is... gallery. Sorry. No, 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 no. That's okay. Yeah. I was to say that gallery in the front. You know that hallway with the. It's just. I, I just think it's such a beautiful, um, beautiful space, and and I'm sure they spent a lot of money on it, but I, I'm glad that they did. Mm-hmm. It deserves that. And I imagine that the Turner exhibition probably took up what probably a good part of the first floor. I would expect. Yeah, yeah, it uh, it was a pretty big one. Um, there were many, many works. Uh, he uh, one thing that I learned um, that I that sort of resonated with me was that he would lay down um, sort of ground, a white ground, and work the colors out from that white ground. Okay. And I, I totally understand that, how oh. how that's done. I've, I've done it a couple of times, and it's worked Work. well. It just uh, gives uh, brightness to the colors, and... Uh, you know, his paintings are all about the sunsets and the sun and the, the atmospheric feelings. So, it's, uh, yeah, he, yeah. His paintings, to me, well, not maybe the other way around, I should say it, is that one of my favorite abstract painters is Mark Rothko. Mm-hmm. And, and I see such a connection between Mark Rothko's paintings and Turner's paintings. I see this like because they're all pretty much landscapes and they're all kind of they're a little bit abstract really like they're they're 
you know, they're not, I wouldn't say they're abstraction, but they're, there's something ethereal about them and they look like you can almost reach into them. Right. I they're, know what you mean. Totally. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It's like a veil on each Yeah, other. yeah. It's like, he's just got a really, and it's probably to do with what you were just talking about in terms of technique, I expect. Like, um, you know, the, it's, there's just something about the way he layers color and, and I've always really kind of liked him as long as I've known who he was. I've, won't pretend that I knew who he was for, for that long, but I, when I started, you know, becoming interested in art, you figure you, you come in, you stumble across him pretty quickly, really. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we've talked about, I think we've talked in the past about why we're interested in art and, and where it comes from. And certainly back in the high school days of melting clocks that I thought was good art <laughs> which i still i don't dislike that but that's a starting place and i certainly back then didn't know who turner i didn't know who turner was back then nor rothko for that matter. oh no but, uh, yeah neither. yeah it's a well it's a lifelong journey right like there's so much to learn about and and you know you're we were talking about pottery and i mean you could go back and look at ancient art and just become completely obsessed with ancient art i could see right because it's pretty fascinating stuff it's not my thing necessarily, I don't think, but I don't know. I my thing changes. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. You know you're, I mean. fa- you're you're very good. Uh, uh, what is it? Epicurean? <laughs> I don't know. There's well, I don't a, know that. <laughs> I think I just. I, I think it's more to do with an obsession, obsessive personality. Oh, or if I become really? interested, if I become interested in something. I tend to want to really consume it and know everything about it. Now it's so easy to do that with the internet, right? Yes. Google, Google everything. That you got, you got uh, artist that you showed me the link, um, a French Canadian artist, I think, with a French Oh, uh, yeah. What was that one? That wasn't Sandra Meigs. We were talking about her as well. She's the one who won that prize. No, there was sure. somebody else. Oh, and who did a great lakes. The woman who did great these casts. Uh, Charbonneau? Charbonneau, Joy? yes, yes, yes. Joy, yeah. You know, actually, I um, I actually had a, a uh, I, I was very impressed with her work because it's it speaks directly to what I do, because like, she's all about the environment and water and, and like, that map of the of all the rivers in Canada. It's like, that's, that's my day-to-day, right? I'm a water resources engineer, and... Uh, I actually emailed her and told her I was just blown away by her work and uh, that I loved it. And we had a little back and forth, and and uh, I sent her our, our link to the podcast. I don't know whether she'll she'll get to it or not, but I, I offered to do an interview with her if she wanted to do that because I I, th- I think she'd be fascinating to talk to. She's an architect as well, right? She's just got such a great sense of space. She seems I don't like know a look- wonderful person. I looked at her website and I'm blown yeah. away by her too. Yeah, like I liked. It. Did you notice she had? It was um, her biz, her architectural firm, I believe it was, had a contract at the Images Festival in Toronto to take one of the spaces that they use in Ryerson to to put on these films and stuff and to make it into like a different space. And she had these hanging lights that were like respondent to sound that would change their brightness depending on how busy the room was or something like that. It was really cool. Wow. I, I, uh, yeah, she did, and then there was another one that was all sheets of eight and a half by eleven paper that were all just hanging in, uh, above. It was yeah, she really has a great sense of space. I I like discovering things like that, and that was something that uh, <clears throat> a friend on Facebook had had posted just kind of in passing this map that she did of all the rivers, 
And uh, so I, the Great I, Lakes the, too. The yeah, the Great D. Lakes casts. She cast the Great Lakes based on the bathymetry data that she got from like the NOAA and with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association, I think it stands for, or something like that, in the U.S. And so she gets all the like you know, and you can see it's exaggerated a lot, but you can see like Lake Superior being super deep. And I, I thought that was really like really clever. Oh yeah, that's that's totally like um, and at the intersection of so many things. Yeah, exactly. It's really good blend of um, of uh, you know, it, like to, to include science in in your art like that, and to have it it not be completely. I don't know. Um, I think I think it would speak to a lot of obscure? different people. Obscure? You mean that? Yeah, would I think be that might be kind of, yeah. yeah, or or maybe too technical in a way. Mm-hmm. Like you could well, make a something that I saw recently that um, I find a bit too technical. That I really, I I'm starting to understand, but uh, Arian Hoxtra's uh, show above the clouds. Um, I've been looking at his uh, oh, web page, right, right. and right, he does you went to his artist talk. Hmm. Right, and he and, and I had said that he's actually got a, that exhibition is traveling around, and I think he's got that's coming to the Forest City Gallery here in London, and maybe I should go and look at it. Yeah, that was the one about the um, the World's Fair. Yes, yes. So he has. Um, it's hard to find a link between uh, everything. You have to to know the background. You have to read about it in order to understand um, the exhibit. I find. Right. It's very intellectual. Yeah, how old is he? I expect he's fairly young. Uh, he's in his early 30s. Yeah, cause, so that, that's what I would have expected. And yeah. he did, did he go to University of Guelph? I thought I looked at his resume and I didn't. I thought he went to Edmonton. Uh, yeah, that probably doesn't really matter that much. I was just thought, anyway, you, I, I would like to go see that. It sounded interesting. Yeah, he's. I looked at his other um, exhibits, and they're all very slick. And um, there's not much of a uh, organic feeling at all. It's all very sciency, film uh, or right. cinema uh, based, and uh, very research based. And when he talks, it's like he talks like an article. You know, and, and a scientific article. So he's able to uh, enunciate very complex ideas in a few sentences. And to him, it's it's a language he speaks. And I'm totally at a different level. <laughs> I feel yeah, like a child, say, you know, like I feel like you, a cavewoman. <laughs> What? Yeah, but I don't think that's really fair either. I, I, I think you're, you're way better than a cave woman. <laughs> <laughs> did you find, did you find though that it turned you off listening to somebody speaking that technically and, and almost, it sounds to me like it would almost be boring. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't, he was very passionate about it. So I was trying to follow him, but as an, uh, as an amateur or as a first-time listener of, of this kind of uh, description, it's very difficult. If you're 
bathing in it and that's you know that's your kind of stuff then you would probably it would just be like a walk in the park for you but to me it was as if I just walked in uh, let's say you know I'm I'm a farm woman and I walk into your engineering firm or you know something that is totally kind of I wouldn't understand what's going on in here you probably in my experience you probably want to fill in the creek <laughs> yeah like I Fish would be want I would want uh, I would talk about so I ended up asking him questions about um, what kind of thing sparked his uh, inspiration because that's often that's a question I like to ask because right. uh, you know who uh, who who doesn't have to have that kind of point of beginning you know like and you put this up I'm remembering now I I didn't yeah. look I didn't listen so I could actually listen to your conversation with him that's probably what I should do right well some of the time but yeah yeah, yeah no I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to do that um, now you also I remember we were talking a while back about the a friend of mine who had his show at the, the gallery and you went and saw his artist talk as well Paul. Yes. Yes, Paul. And he's another guy whose art is fairly conceptual, very conceptual. That's it. But I find he's, I don't, I, would your description of the way that Aaron, his name is Aaron. Arian. Right? Your description of Arian, okay. Mm -hmm. Your description of the way that he speaks about it, that's not how I get from Paul. Paul is, I found, more earthy about it, I think. I don't know, but not having heard Arian, but. He is, um, he was not as, uh, yeah, he was not as, let's say, slick in his, well, I don't know how to call Not as it. technical, perhaps? Yeah, not as, um, I think Arian wants to, he's very, um, he's intentionally speaking uh, in a way that translates his ideas. So he will say, for example, he used a word, uh, poly my work is very polyphonic, for example. <laughs> you know, so uh, to someone who just kind of walked in uh, from uh, the street, uh, you know, anybody, they hear that polyphonic. Is, does, does that mean you're bilingual? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, Whereas Paul's work actually is actually polyphonic. Paul, Paul's work is actually physically polyphonic. Yes, exactly. It's actually about when sound. When he describes it, uh, it's not as precise in the in the technical in, in the technical wording of, of things. But um, you know, different minds, different uh, uh, process, different ideas. I find that the world of photography and the world of of that a scientific um, exploration, so, uh, such as uh, space space related uh, exploration, NASA, uh, the World's Fair, all this stuff. It, it calls for it, it almost asks for you to speak like that and to be like that. So Arian, in a way, was just being, he was being himself, that's himself, and he was putting himself on the walls. But as a first-time viewer, it's pretty cold because what you're looking at is like a frame with a 
black. Uh, they're called Sinotype. Sinotype. Yeah, the, I've heard of that. I don't know what it is, but yeah. It's kind of metal that that they wrap around okay. lights on sets, on movie sets. Anyway, he used <laughs> that. And it's like uh, you're looking into space, really. Like It's like you're inside a spaceship and you're looking outside and it's all black. But there's no stars. There are no stars. So it's a little bit uh, strange. Um, but not, not to say that... I don't like it. I, I kind of admire this kind of cleanliness of lines and this kind of crisp, sterile, almost sterile, almost obsessive, compulsive sort of way to present things. There's no messiness much, you know? Yeah. So I I liked it, but at the same time, I'm thinking, where is this going? This is... This is the bubble that, this is our time, this is our art, this is the t- 2015, these are our artists, that's what they're doing. What does it say about us that we have things that are so uh, hard to understand? Oblique, oblique is the word, yeah, I think. oblique, um, um cold cold distant um it's hard to the viewer watches it and does not understand what's going on you know there's a disconnect but i find at the same time that as time goes on there are so many different things going on that that is just one aspect and that you could probably find other things that might end up at the end of the day um being more of the sort of thing that we're going to be remembered for if we're still here in, you know, 150 years, I'm hoping we are, but God knows, you know, um, I, does that make sense? You mean I'm that not, I mean, I, in I guess 150 I you years that No, no, people... that, not that so much as, as this, this idea that I know that there is this kind of, I think what I, I would call pretty cold art and I, but I don't know why I, I, I wouldn't, want to just say that that represents the state of 2015 art. I think there's a lot more going on, but, and I'm hoping that maybe there's some other things out there. Like you still, like people still paint, right? Like painting's yeah. not going away. It's not going away. Um, I have yet it's to have seen, I have yet to have seen an exhibit uh, in 2015 about painting. Oh, maybe your, your friend, um, that woman, um, uh, she's not your friend, but uh, that woman who was painting oh, San- the basement. Oh, Sandra Meigs, yeah. Those were yes, there's a good example of somebody they? who won a big, uh, won a big prize, and and for and is a painter. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's always sort of fascinating to me because the, I think if you were to try to like apply for an arts council grant and you said I want to make some paintings, you probably wouldn't get one. But if you said, I'm going to, I've got, you know, this World Fair idea about, or, you know, you can come up with this concept, that tends to be more, um, I think, what is kind of hot in a way, but I'm not sure how much staying power a lot of that stuff has. It's hard to say. Yeah. Um, I think it's good for galleries, you know, it's good for big cities, it's good for raising awareness about 
uh, things in history that have happened. If you keep returning to this yeah, event that's true. in 1962, that's true. I had no idea. You know, I hadn't heard about it. So I learned a little bit about history and um, how fast things are evolving in terms of technology and how many, uh, you know, um, catastrophes, man-made catastrophes we've had. Uh, it's almost exponential, you know. I, I, on the topic of the World Fair, this is kind of a, an interesting thing that I just noticed the other week. Uh, I saw a quote by um, Buckminster Fuller. And if you remember, the an Expo 67, right, was in Montreal. Yeah. And uh, he designed that geodesic dome that's actually still there. It's like the Biodome, I think it's called now, or something like that. On the yes. Yeah, so he designed that. And there was a quote by him that had something to do with how, you know, technology is at a point now where we really should be trying to, like, do less and be better to each other and not invest all of our money in, you know, killing each other kind of thing. Hmm. And this was in, in the 60s that he did that. And for some reason, that made me look into the World Fair a little bit. And then I remember, oh, yeah, I remember they did a World Fair in Vancouver as well in 86. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And, and then I read, I was on the Wikipedia page, and it was a thing about the history and something that I didn't realize, and this really pissed me off, is Canada is no longer on, there's an international board, like for the, like with the Olympics or any of these things, that every country has a member that sits on to determine where the next location is and to do all that kind of stuff with these fairs. And Canada is no longer, as of 2012, on the board because the Harper government <laughs> said that they didn't want to pay the $25,000 a year because they're cutting costs. So, you know, they're looking at, it's like, give me a break. Like, what a bunch of idiots. Sorry to get political, but that just reminded me of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, $25,000? Like, that, that, they probably lose that much in uh, the evaporation of paint every week in the it's federal government. It's elitist, you know? Because, oh, that's crazy. Because Harper could be a sport uh, Olympian, so he's pissed off at the rest of the world. Or maybe maybe there was something to do with, like, Palestine or something. Maybe they, they allowed Palestine a seat on it or something, and this was their protest. It's like, only Canada. I, I'm so glad that they're gone. Not to get political, but I, that that was just a nightmare. Every time now that I look at the news, there's something new happening, and it feels like and something we're, we're, we're back. I know, I know. You know, it feels, it really does feel good. It feels like, okay, like, what was that? That was, like, crazy. And it's amazing that 30% of Canadians agreed with that. Again, sorry to go on a political <laughs> rant, but the World's, Fair thing, the World's Fair thing just reminded me of that. And, yes. and uh, I think I'm still a little bit in shock, to be honest, that that. Harper is gone. Yes. Oh, and I, I think agree. that, you know, I think that we didn't really realize just, and I keep finding these new things like that, but I think, like, what the hell are you guys thinking? Like, what, why would you do that? I don't even understand the political anything about that. Like, why would you remove yourself off a board of the, it's like, it's called the international, it's something to do with the World's Fair anyway. It's like, there's I think a, we, we were off the Security Council because of Harper, and we were off uh, G... 20, we're almost going to be off G20 or something. Like that. No, G8. We're off G8, so it became G20. And so many other things that we got off because... Yeah, and I just I just read that uh, Justin Trudeau has been invited to a state dinner yep. at the White House. He said and, in the and, past 20 years. Yeah, he hasn't. Chrétien was the last guy that did it. Mm. Like, that's wild. Well... Um, it feels strange because 
I was getting used to that kind of running alone, you know, being alone, thinking all these things, you know, and now it feels better because I feel like there are other people who think like me now. Yeah, who are not completely nuts. <laughs> I, should say, <laughs> I should say that. Yeah. You know, you know, what, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. So, I, I just want to... So when you were at... Sorry? Yeah. I was just, I, I, I thought I would talk about the end of my term. I wanted to tell you a story. Okay, yes, uh, I was going to ask about that too because I know that it's, uh, it's the end of the term, right? Yeah, so, <laughs> you know, I was doing printmaking for the first time. Uh, you've done printmaking, right? No, I'm fascinated by printmaking, but I've never done it. Ah, it sounds like you'd be a, an awesome printmaker. I would love to do serigraphs, like um, what do they call silk that? Screening? Uh, silk screening. Yeah, I, I love the I love the lines on silk screens. Yeah, well, uh, come over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got some. <laughs> well, I learned about it, and um, I was pretty, like, I had submitted my portfolio, Mark. It was submitted, but then one morning I got up and I had an idea in my head. <laughs> And uh -oh. I had to do it. Did you see it? I posted a photo of it. I don't. No, think I, that I made one came a big mess. I, I made a big mess on the blanket on uh, Andrea's blanket. Oh, that maybe does sound familiar, actually. <laughs> I what I did was I grabbed ashes, and I thought, okay, I'm going to do a mono print. I'm going to take a big slab of plexiglass. I'm going to drip some oil on it, like it's called burnt oil. And then I'm going to put ashes and like see what happens with this, you know, with the oil. I'm just going to sprinkle ashes on this oil. And I won't play too much with it. So I did that, put the paper on, covered the whole thing with newsprint covered it with the blankets, then ran it to the press really tight because uh, the students before us were doing uh, copper etchings and that means that the press was really low on the table. So, But I raised it a bit. Anyway, it squeezed the oil out and the oil leaked and stained Andrea's blanket. Oh, no. So I'm like panicking and crying. I'm going to call. Okay. Then another student comes in. And I said, oh, I messed up. I'm going to call Andrea. So I call her. I wake her up. And I'm going, oh, Andrea, Andrea, I messed up your blanket. I messed up your blanket. She said, oh, show me the picture. So I showed her. Oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> she goes back to sleep, basically. You know? She said, just run a whole bunch of sheets out of it and so other people's stuff doesn't get messed up. So I did that, and uh, but I thought, and then the result, the result of that print is like super, like it's like I put my print in um, a garage and I asked mechanics to drop oil on it and and to mess it all up. So. It's kind of strange, and the ashes kind of got like super squished on the paper, so it's almost like etched into the paper. Huh. So that aspect of it was neat. 
I like that. Anyway, I cleaned up my mess, and that was the end of my printmaking career. Right. So you that was just one course you were taking, right? You just not two. You're not doing two. Or no, you're doing two. I was doing two. I did a drawing three class. Right. 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 Okay. I remember that now. The most so, favorite class, Mark. The I drawing class. That, yeah, I hope that you get. To, but in the drawing class, my most favorite thing was that we did um, a live studio uh, session and at the end uh, Noni, our professor, instructed everybody to give an instruction to the class and we went on like this. So we each drawing was three instructions given by three different students. So. Uh, the, let's say a student said, okay, use only ink for this, for the beginning. So okay. we used only ink. Then the next one would say, make little circles in the shade areas or whatever. So we did that. Then another student said, only draw with your left hand, you know, things. So it was really cool because I think it really showed the class that you don't have to stick to always the same way of drawing, that drawings that are made differently a little bit that come out of the norm uh, are actually super interesting and they become very uh, cool in how do you say it, in and of themselves? Right, right. In and of themselves? I guess. Like, like itself, like the, not just the drawing as a, an exercise of to show your skills for good proportion or whatever, but a, a, a nice piece of art, you know? Expressive. Yeah. <sighs> so well, what's... Um, what's on for next for January term, winter? Um, I'm I've applied for I I'm um, I mean I've um, accepted to teach a course in the winter. Uh, however, there might not be enough registrations. I will see what happens in in the winter. Um, if the course is canceled, I'll end up taking another course. But for now, I'm just going to take Advanced right. Studio. And that can be any projects that you want to explore. So I'm thinking right now of a few ideas. And you I can do yours on the world. Do it on the world's fair. <laughs> yeah, but how would that? I mean, I would probably. That's the thing. I, I science is interesting, uh, but I, like my daughter is a scientist, and my my husband is a scientist. So, He's a mad scientist. Yeah, I have. He's a, got the hair and everything. He's got the hair and everything, at least he used to. <laughs> yes. Mad um, scientist hair. Yes. So sorry, there's a little bit of, of, of a delay, so it always sounds like I'm interrupting you. I don't mean No, no, to. no, it's, it doesn't seem that way this way. You know what, I'm going to get, the next time we talk, I'm gonna, I brought headphones out, I ran, ran quickly, 
and grab them, but for some reason when I plug them in, it's not transferring over to them. But I'll I'll make that work for next time because I can understand now because you're getting the feedback and I think it would sound a lot better even if I just had headphones on. Like I don't necessarily need to be speaking into a headset mic. I think the mic is okay on this. It sounds like that works out okay, but I think if I'm listening through headphones, that would be better. So uh, next time. Yes, my friend. No worries. Yeah, no, I know it's no big deal, but I, I you know, I think if, if that's that's a pretty easy thing to do for for an improvement, you know. Mm-hmm. I just hadn't really, didn't really think about it because everything that you say is picking picked up by my microphone, and then when you go to do the editing process, it doesn't, you know. It's okay, like it's it's fine. It, it oh, it's all, translates it's all. okay. Uh, yeah, it's probably not that. It's probably not even that noticeable. But it's an I, I, easy listen, fix. I've never really heard it, heard it, but. Yeah, it's an easy fix, and at least I won't sound like I'm always interrupting you. <laughs> oh, no, it doesn't sound like that to me. But to me, it does. So, okay. So when I'm speaking, it's like, oh. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I'm bad about that, too. I have to, I have to, I have to hold my tongue because I'm not great at my, I, I think what I should probably be doing more is writing things down. Because no. I think about something, and then it's like, I, if I don't say it pretty quickly, I sometimes forget my train of thought. That's good. I like that. We shouldn't we shouldn't be too um, planned, you know? No, I agree, I agree. But at the same time, I don't like to be rude. No, it's... Um... It's part of the deal. So that's that's it's something that I was trying to explain to Arian, and that's interesting because it was the first time that I asked someone cold, cold, like, would you do an interview with me, you know? Uh, and right. then he sat down with me, and he was very generous. But I could tell that I was annoying him because... I kept wanting to have a discussion with him, and he just wanted to talk like an interview. So he he was losing his train of thought, <laughs> and I kept telling him, yeah. uh, you know, this is a podcast. <laughs> I was yeah. trying to explain, was being totally rude about it, and not, not playing the role of the interviewer, you know. Well, like, I think there's something that it's, Interviewing isn't that easy, and I think if you don't have a lot of experience interviewing people, that's going to be a learning curve unto itself, right? Where you have to learn how to, I think, phrase your questions fairly concisely so that people know what you're actually asking them, and then be able to actually give them the time that they need to properly explain themselves and try not to interrupt. That would be my problem, as I would be, like, I'd be biting my tongue to not I'd almost be wanting to put words into their mouth sometimes because I can anticipate what they're going to say. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. And I, I have to hold back on that. And I'm thinking I haven't done any, like, that sort of an interview. I've never done that. But I've done lots of job interviews. And it's, I guess, kind of a similar thing where you're asking somebody a question and you give them some time to explain themselves, right? Yes, but, um, you know, there comes a time often when... Anyway, my point is... Um, that podcasting is freeing. It is freeing because we don't have to 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 deal with this stuff. We can just have, you know, I can ask you. So what? What's new? You know? And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like share. that too. It's outside of the constraints of having really anything holding you back in any direction. You can talk about anything, and I think it's probably best to keep it somewhat focused if you want people to come back, but 
the same time. But that's what we're doing by the fact that, by the simple fact that we have a topic, you know, related to the arts. So yeah, exactly. And I think we do pretty good at at keeping it mostly focused. <laughs> but I think if, I I I mean, if it was, if I were I would probably like listening to our conversation if I were some if I if it wasn't us. I mean, listening to myself talk, I don't necessarily like doing that. But but I, I think I like people. I like listening to conversations. I like listening to people that I whose ideas I I respect and um, I don't know people that can possibly make you think about something in a different way than you would have otherwise. That's right. That's the main thing about podcasting, and especially uh, I find that doing it with you it's really uh, been uh, beneficial in helping me make the the leap towards other types of art so I I wasn't really attracted to uh, certain things but now because by the simple fact of talking about them it brings me closer to them in a way yeah I went through that same process Mm -hmm. of talking to other people about it and and maybe perhaps not understanding why somebody would do something and then you got somebody that does it or that appreciates it and they can talk about it with you and then even if it's not necessarily going to be your thing at least you've got this new sort of ability to um you know to to be able to think about it in a way that is something other than what is this person thinking <laughs> you know what i mean yes Yes, that's right. So I find that more and more and more, if I can just talk a little bit with somebody, uh, other artists. Goes a long way. Yeah, it's totally. It really does. That's why it's so important in class to talk, to talk about. I know it's difficult. Sometimes you can't put things into words. And I think it's probably difficult because you're dealing with people that are like, you know, the same age as your daughter, right? Yeah, a lot some of them, of them are younger. There are some and, that are older who can't talk either. Yeah, oh, and, I, and I was going to just sort of back that up and say it doesn't necessarily mean that just because somebody's 21 or 22 years old that they don't know what to talk about. But I think that sometimes they need a little bit more life experience, I think, before they can really start to, like, dissect the, thing, the things that they're looking at and thinking about and and really this is like the first step in that process right like if you want to become an artist you go to art school but to me the beauty of that would be exactly what you're saying you know the ability to to sit down and have a room full of people that are all engaged and that you can get into these interesting conversations with and it's probably an ideal world because it probably doesn't actually work that way is my guess but (laughs) but there are probably some people that you can get in good conversations with the um the the way that I approach things is, uh, you know, say anything that comes to your mind. Talk about your process. Talk about what you were thinking while you were doing that. Everybody can do that. It's it's not. It's, that's that part is not difficult. What's difficult is to be able to remove yourself from the art and then talk about it in terms of maybe uh, a school of art or another artist or that I can understand that, you know, like it takes some time before you you get the right sort of vocabulary to say words like figurative and 
abstraction and expressionism and uh, you know uh, generative or polyphonic I, I understand that it takes a while before you get that vocabulary but we're all artists and we're all able to produce things and we can all talk about what this meant to us you know the, if we if we use this kind of wallpaper in our art then why why is that significant you know you can talk right. about it a right. little bit it doesn't have to be super obscure and intellectual and thought of and i think they think that they have to do that somehow and that's that's why that they're so quiet you know yeah i think people feel like there's almost a pressure that you have to kind of intellectualize it right yeah you have to kind of be able to sound smart and I don't know. I, yeah. Well, you know, on that note, um, I, I, my friend Jeff Wilmore is, uh, he, he, um, I talked to him not a couple of weeks ago. It's been a while since we've done this, but he was, he's game to come and sit down and chat with us sometimes. So maybe that would be a good thing to do. Um, maybe next weekend if he's around Will he or maybe on you want a Sunday evening. I want to try doing. I think he would do it. I think he would come over for like a half an hour because he could, he lives like very close to me, so he could just come and we could just talk to you together. Okay, okay. Well, um, during the holidays, anyway, it's gonna be uh, crazy. Yeah, sure. we could we could tentatively try next yeah. Sunday. Well, next if, after next week, yeah, after next week, it won't be until January, is my guess, because then it's just crazy after that. But yeah. but. Um, but I think next weekend I should be able to do it again. I'll, I'll give you notice if not, and and maybe if I'll talk to Jeff during the week and I'll I'll keep you posted if he wants to if he wants to sit down. I think it'd be good to talk to somebody who's a and you know what he just he actually just I saw him uh, on Friday night and he told me that he's got a, a dealer that represents him in Toronto, Philip Jevick. His name is Gallery Jevick, and he told me he sold a big painting of his, like you know ten thousand dollar. Like a ten thousand dollar ish sort of painting. I don't know exactly how much. I guess bravo, that's not really... bravo. Like a big painting, like a five foot by six foot painting that he said he's had there for a long time. Yay. So that's really, yeah. So so that's a good success story. So I'll I'll talk with him during Let's the week and see if Let's talk about that painting. Yeah, maybe he's got an image of it. Maybe we could put it up and uh, yeah, because yeah. that's probably one of his. I imagine that's probably one of his biggest sales. Yeah, let's talk yeah. to him about that. Okay, well, I'll talk to him during the week, and I will uh, let you know how if, if that works for him. And if not, we'll do it in early January. But uh, you're going to have to do this into a two-parter now. We're coming up to an hour. Yes. Part one and part two. Are you going just edit out all the stuff I say? <laughs> I'm no, just... no, it's going all in. <laughs> it's going rough all like in. this. <laughs> like a poker game, all in. Yep. Okay, but we probably should... Uh... Frappe la rue? should wind her down yeah but uh it's been it's been great and i think uh hopefully in the winter hopefully there's uh if we can keep well whatever we get it in once twice a month that's probably that's probably pretty cool really right yes mark yeah okay well i will talk to you soon then and um like i say i'll i'll, I'll see if it's what what jeff's schedule is like and okay perfect next week maybe we can talk to him okay perfect. okay au revoir